Hi, it's Courtney. This is Scale Up from Launch Vic. Very early in this episode, there's a rude word that's said a couple of times over. So if it's not something that you'll want to hear, get your phone or mouse handy and skip forward to about 1 minute and 50 seconds of the episode. While you do, here's some music just in case you need a moment. For the others, stick with us. We'll be ready in three, two, and... Hey, it's Didier here. I'm back at I-9, back at my old haunt uh, for Fuck Up Nights Melbourne. And I'm one of the presenters. I think I'm on last. Didier, funnily enough, was the very first name we put down when we were um, thinking about a list of speakers that we wanted to speak at Fuck Up Nights. Uh, yeah, my name is Gary Williams. We're at Inspire 9 in Richmond. I, um, I work for Inspire 9 out of the Dream Factory in Footscray. And yeah, we're here for Fuck Up Nights one year anniversary event. So it's a storytelling event where people are human and vulnerable and they share um, some stories of failure, but uh, predominantly what they've learned along the way. Gary founded the Melbourne chapter of Fuck Up Nights. It originated in Mexico, the trivia and the event. It has some pretty wholesome startup elements. Pizza, beers going round, everyone's chatty on the other side of the room are the occupied desks with dedicated founders trying to ignore the hundred or so people bobbing about waiting for speeches to start. Regardless, we're here for this episode because in his talk, Didier, CEO and founder of CultureAmp, said this. So we started life in the very first version of I9, which was in Cremorne, and then we followed it over here. Uh, We won Adobe as a global client sitting just on that table. Obviously not a fuck-up. So the, the corner that I was pointing to uh, was the corner where Culture Amp really took shape and took form, and, and particularly uh, that was where we were when we won Adobe as a client, which was a pretty formative step for us. And so we'd gone from being me and, and my co-founders in a little space in Cremorne. We'd followed Inspire 9 across to Richmond. Jason, Dr. Jason McPherson had joined us our first in and we just started to grow um, when we won them as a client. I think we were about 10 people at the time. So looking back, it was sort of funny having just moved into a new office here in Melbourne to look back to where it all began. Two desks, three desks actually stuck together. But Adobe didn't just happen. Well, it sort of did at the start, but we'll get to that. This is Scale Up from LaunchVic, a podcast about the moments and reflections of going from an idea to a venture capital funded startup and navigating the immense growth between and beyond. About LaunchVic, it's Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. Its role is to help build the infrastructure for entrepreneurs and startups in Victoria. This series, it's all about Culture Amp. Founded in 2012, they've launched products, killed products, hired people, raised money, and to this day are headquartered here in Melbourne with another three offices, London, San Francisco, and New York. If this is your first time listening, here's a little of what you missed in the previous episode. Just bought a house, just had a baby. And you've built this platform. Uh, I haven't got anyone focusing on the tech side. It was this massive moment, and then we didn't win any other customers for months beyond that. 
I highly recommend you jump back for a bit more context and pick up here again at about four minutes in. Okay, quick recap. We're watching Didier speak and he's just said this. Uh, we won Adobe as a global client sitting just on that table. This episode, Adobe puts its enormous hand up to join CultureAmp's client list. If you don't know about Adobe, they're a huge global software company. Market cap of more than $75 billion in August 2017. Responsible for Photoshop, Illustrator, PDFs being the global standard, and a few other things too. CultureAmp at this stage doesn't have much of that. It's five or so people in a co-working space in Richmond, Victoria. One of them is CultureAmp's very first employee, number five after the four co-founders, Dr. Jason McPherson. Chief scientist at CultureAmp. I think, so Adobe must have come through on our website and then they go, hey, there's someone from Adobe wants to do a demo. Doug English. Hi. Co-founder of CultureAmp puts it in perspective. At that stage, they were something like 12 times bigger than any of the accounts that we already had, any of the companies we already had as, as customers. But Adobe was keen and Jason was there for CultureAmp's first demo from the co-working space near the desks Didier was pointing at. There were like these polystyrene pods. Just a couple of us just in this pod, you know, a few metres away doing this chat with Adobe. And then they you know, came out and went, I think they're really serious. Things progressed beyond the demo, forcing CultureAmp to choose whether or not they go after the new big client. I remember at one stage we were having this discussion because they wanted somebody to come and visit them uh, at their office. And, and John happened to be in Canada at the time, I think, visiting his brother. John Williams, CultureAmp co-founder, worked with Doug at the bank, now working from the San Francisco office near the financial district. Um, and so we're having this discussion as the, as the founders about um, was it worth us spending the money to fly John from Canada down to, down to uh, San Jose to go and visit Adobe? Um, and uh, to be honest, it was a really hard decision because we didn't have that much money in the company at the time. And we we're sitting there going, you know, this is this is a pretty you know far out bet. Like we're just going to waste the the money for a flight and it'll go nowhere. In the end, I, I guess because we're gamblers at heart, being uh, startup founders, we um, uh, we decided to spend the money and see what happened. And the amount of money they're discussing, according to Didier, about a hundred bucks. We're a bootstrap company. And at the time, total money in the bank? We would have had in the thousands. It was just one of those things where you sit down and think, you know, what is this something, if we choose not to do it, it's something we'd look back on and kick ourselves for not doing. So sit down, you know, there's no, you don't start a startup to, to get there in little bits. You, you take an opportunity and you go for it. The meeting with John and Adobe went very well. And Culture Amp inched closer to the deal not without a bit of self-reflection, Jason again. There was another kind of moment when when we realised that they were really serious and going through, like about to go through procurement and everything. And, and we kind of just, re we thought we had told them, but we just made this decision that we were going to clearly sit down and say to them, you do realise that we're just five guys <laughs> in a co-working space in Melbourne and I think we're on a video and we're going this is you know like, have a look this is what you're signing up for um and yeah they kind of laughed but they went yeah we're, we're yeah they took a big gamble like the, the individuals we we're dealing with so and I guess that created 
after that, you know, we were just very, very determined to deliver and make that a success. Uh, it might have been the first meeting after that after they signed the contracts that we were still in Inspire Nine. There was internet problems at the time um, in Inspire Nine, where we didn't even have our own office, right? So there's like five people in the company at this stage. Well, I think it, no, it might have been a few more, but it was early days, early days of the company, and um, so we ended up going around to one of John's friends' houses that lived near um, near Inspire Nine. Uh, it was a tiny like studio apartment, right? And so, but they had uh, they had more stable internet. So we're all basically sitting around on a bed with this <laughs> this laptop, talking to. So we had like I th- yeah, it was like half a dozen people in the room, pretty much the whole company in this room, and we're talking on the other end uh, to Adobe, where they had three times as many people on the call as we had in the company. <laughs> So, and that was their implementation team versus what we had to do, which was basically rebuilding all of the reports in in time to make it work, and yeah, scaling up our system across the board. Wow. So it was fun times. Um, what did, what happened when they hung up? I think we all just sighed a big sigh of relief, and then went, "How the hell are we going to deliver this?" <laughs> We're like, yes, we can deliver this. We can absolutely do this. I've delivered something to Steven Spielberg, I can deliver this to you. In reporting this series, I also spoke to Steve Pell, who's known Didier for a while now. He's a management consultant and conveniently only a couple of floors above Culture Amp here in Melbourne. They are very willing to just do what it takes to take the next step and survive. That's not, you know, they're prepared to compromise on principles or values. But if you look at at all the stages, when we're, you know, when we're wrapping narrative around them, we can make them sound pre-planned, but there's a lot where it's really around, you know, whatever it takes to get to the next step to, to progress forward. Worth noting, back in 2012, Adobe has about 10,000 employees. Now, that's 3,000 more than Macquarie Bank has today. Here's Jason. I think we were like, wow, Um, but we're instantly sort of overwhelmed by, you know, the engineers, so they quickly, like, had a burn chart created, a chart telling you, you know, the the jobs to be done and the number of hours, et cetera, and then this chart showing you whether you have actually have enough hours left. (laughs) before the launch date to get all the work done. So uh, so we pretty quickly realised it was only a few months to go and so it was very much, you know, the excitement quickly was converted into uh, kinetic working energy, I think, pretty quickly. Every morning we'd look at it and this was new to me, like kind of engineering sort of stuff, but we'd look at this chart and sort of update it um, after the day before and we were always like just frightened if we would you know go above this line or and happy if we went below this line we were always going above it and then it was just always going oh, how if it's is it going to be too are we going to have just enough time to get everything done so I still remember in the end we were running the it, felt like, it seemed like we were I kind of had this moment of realization when you realize that like your entire your entire company is on some servers somewhere and then that's all just being run off of five laptops so 
we had we had agreed to a lot. Um, we had about three months to do what I'd probably estimate as being about nine months worth of work, and we basically did uh, we basically did six months worth of work in three months and took three months worth of um, uh, well picked um, shortcuts. <laughs> One of the things, so we had to work out how. Uh, how to get the reporting to scale and one of the things I was really impressed with back at the time was uh, John Williams who uh, who's our co-founder that's in um, uh, based in San Francisco now he um, he took one it was like one of the early weekends where he he basically got a proof of concept for report for the reporting uh, so it was really kind of slim functionality cut down functionality but he basically wrote it in five different languages in a weekend so that he could performance test each of them. And, uh, and off the back of that, we ended up deciding to build the, um, build the reports in Java. But um, yeah, so I think that was really impressive just to see what he managed to get done in a weekend. And you know, it was a lot of, a lot of the reason that we, uh, we managed to make the timeline was the, uh, the amazing heavy lifting that he did in some of, the, some of the, those areas. Founder of Blackbird Ventures, repeat Culture Amp investor and evangelist for the company, Bill Barty, made a point about this much like Steve Bell. What I noticed is that as a team, they all had this common mission. And I also noticed that, um, you know, as individuals, they had known each other for periods of time. They each had complementary skill sets. And uh, they struck me as just a team that could execute things. Because every time I would talk to Didier, for instance, I'd ask him about something that he told me about, you know, a month before, and he actually executed it and did it. So, you know, it's always a good sign when they uh, can get things done. And one of the things that we look for, uh, that I personally look for in all of the companies that I try to invest in and the individuals is what I call, or some people metaphorically call the GSD gene, which is the get stuff done gene. And these guys all had it. So I would say that they had a common purpose, a common bond. Uh, They worked really, really well as a management team from uh, together from my observation and they had an ability to get things done Uh, and that was that was attractive we'll hear more from bill in coming episodes committing to the deal meant didier john doug rod and jason having to pack their bags for california i think it was the first time we all sort of just had to head over to the u.s so it was kind of like wow you know we're all here you know the whole company's now in San Francisco when we were delivering Adobe and we were just we were living in this house just in this basically in a share house in um, San Mateo uh, which is just sort of seemingly nowhere it's obviously not nowhere but when San Francisco City is up the road and Palo Alto Cupertino Mountain View and San Jose are less than an hour further south San Mateo probably doesn't measure up. It's sort of just stuck in the middle. It's about the size of Ballarat, 100,000 people or so. Conveniently, under 20 minutes by car to the airport. Now, from San Mateo down to San Jose, it's almost like travelling from Melbourne CBD down to Frankston, just over 60 kilometres to where Adobe is located in San Jose. On the, on the Caltrain line, you just had to be on the Caltrain line so that we could get into San Francisco, plus out to Adobe, who were out at San Jose, at the end of the line, on the Caltrain line. Uh, most people who go to end up doing any sort of startup thing will, you know, the Caltrain will be part of their life. 
and we were spending hours and hours and hours you know on the cow train heading out to adobe um sometimes i would be required at adobe to help them go through their um their results because we you know we but we were still learning what we needed to do to help clients you know use our platforms so i'd often be out there out there till you know eight or nine o'clock at night uh sitting with their team and we there were the, we kept missing the cow train so <laughs> we often ended up in this the same like what what's affectionately known as a dive bar um in the u.s uh, so we ended up with this regular dive bar that we would sit there and um, have to wait for the last cow train back to San Mateo every, every day. Um, and that kind of like, you start to question, you go, what are, what are we doing? Like, I'm just in a dive bar <laughs> waiting, waiting for a train. It doesn't really feel like a startup. I guess it gets back to the, the fact that we didn't have that much money at the time. The, the reason we were further up was um, very kindly uh, one of the people we knew who'd been acquired by a company in, in the Bay Area. Their company had a, um, had a house that they used for their employees that were coming from, from interstate or uh, overseas. And uh, they very kindly let us use it. I think we paid them some money, but it was a lot cheaper than staying elsewhere. So that that kind of put us in San Mateo. Pretty well from memory now, looked exactly very much like the house in Silicon Valley. <laughs> Similar architecture. <laughs> and there would invariably be, just, just like in Silicon Valley, yeah, there was like, you know, all the, all the co-founders sitting around the desk with their laptops open. <laughs> just a... Uh, chatting away while they were um yeah holding holding our entire uh startup together on their laptops caltrain to adobe work all day dive bar caltrain back to san mateo repeat no it wasn't all so smooth doug's memories are generally positive about the whole experience but he did find a bug in their code at a really important time so there was a really obscure um, issue with um, with Ruby, the language we were using, where it was holding on to objects in memory that it shouldn't have, and so it was um, it was basically chewing up all our memory. And so as as people were viewing the reports, we were we found we were basically having to bounce. Uh, different servers luckily we had them behind a load balancer so we had redundancy built in but um, these servers were just hitting the max of the memory and forcing us to re- rebound, reboot constantly um, it was a bug that we uh, that John actually ended up raising with, with the Ruby project that they claimed at the time wasn't a bug and in later versions of ruby they have fixed it so <laughs> so yeah it has been fixed but um it basically it was in with a particular syntax within the language and so uh during that night um john and rod uh were basically up all night and they were they were basically making the, these mi- minor code changes to almost every file in our code base in order to try and remove the syntax that was that had the issue and replace it with a different different syntax um and so yeah it was uh, it was a pretty stressful time while we were launching but thankfully we uh we managed to we managed to, to uh, keep the whole system up and and keep all, keep everyone receiving their reports <laughs> it was it was uh not an experience you want to repeat too many times that's for sure but uh and pretty frustrating that it was 
you know, not something that we had introduced as such. It was it was some, one of the tools we were using, kind of letting us down. Now over to Rod, reflecting on the experience in the early stages of the courtship and with the benefit of hindsight. There was a lot of pressure. I, I don't think I don't think I ever thought we couldn't deliver for them, and um, and we did, and it was a, it was a, it was a great success. But um, I think taking on that sort of project. I think in growing a business like this, you do have sort of pivotal moments where you take on projects or customers or you decide to do something that really stretches you, but it stretches you in a really good way. You know, their, their leadership there took a big punt on us. They took a big punt on, hey, can we get this small startup from Australia to run our global engagement survey and be successful? They took a huge punt on us and they knew they were taking a punt on us. But from the day that, um, you know, they signed us up, they definitely partnered with us and that was the good thing they knew that they were stretching us um and i mean to get back to your original question was there ever a, did we did i get off calls where i was like fuck how are we going to do this definitely got off calls going this is going to be a line ball um, um but i never thought that we weren't going to be able to deliver for them um yeah i had a lot, a lot of faith i mean it was at the time i think it was it was five of us it was the founders and jason mcpherson our chief scientist um, and uh, and yeah, we had the skills. We just needed the time to get done what we needed to get done. Going into the the process of pitching for it, we we're obviously asking ourselves: Are we you know are we ready? Are we the right company uh, for them? Are they the right client for us? Uh, and certainly, we spent a lot of time talking to the to the team there at Adobe about you know could we do what they needed? And they showed great faith in us, and it worked out very well for for them, but also for us in terms of it was. The, you kind of second guess yourself you know are we ready are we not and then you just dive in and do it <laughs> Didier again and this is the extended part of his quote at the Sunrise Conference we heard earlier where he mentions delivering for Spielberg I bring it up not because we're name dropping but because it highlights the reliance on other people outside the company as the company grows and we're like yes we can deliver this we can absolutely do this. I've delivered something to Steven Spielberg, I can deliver this to you. And it was sheer bravado. And we found out afterwards that the person who signed off on it, actually her mentor in the business said, this is a career limiting move if, if, if this goes wrong for you. And she says, I know, but I trust these guys. They will deliver. That's a huge bet on her part. You know, it's very easy to forget who has to believe in you along the way. So we, we went through that all bootstrapped. We didn't raise any money and we got to about a million dollars in revenue. Culture Amp, barely a year old when Adobe came along. Sure, there was traction, a vision, five working laptops at least, but even after the company launched, some of the co-founders had been returning to consulting work to pay bills and wages of employees they'd hire. Culture Amp stayed bootstrapped for three years, only taking investment in 2015 after some consultation with an Atlassian founder. That's in a future episode. Something subtle, illustrated in what Didier says next. The team appears to have such a high level of trust in each other. It allowed for great fluidity, everyone using their strengths as problems needed to be solved. I mean, the thing that's really good is it's different on every thing. So it's not like, you know, I'm this voice and somebody else is that voice. Um, when when we were looking at something like winning an Adobe or going after an Adobe, 
Doug and Rod would often be taking the okay how are we going to do it like wh- what are the things that need to be built or what are the things that might not work uh, Rod particularly will work through all of the things let's enumerate all of the things that we have to think about and make sure that we've actually got a plan for everything that uh, needs to be done um, John and I tended to be more I don't know if impulsive is the right word but we would sort of go okay we think we, we have a sense of what we feel like we need to do and uh, Doug and, and Rod would sort of break that down and say okay but what about this what about that um, but on different decisions we'll, we'll reverse positions so there'll be something else where one of the four of us will be more like no I think we should be doing this it just feels like the right thing to do and somebody else will be breaking it down and saying yeah but what about this what about that so that's actually been one of the really great things as the four of us is that we don't we switch sides we don't it's not always John and me versus Doug and Rod it'll, it'll often be two people on one side and two people on the other side but it's very rarely the same people Before we hear what's on the next episode, here's Dr. Jason McPherson on doing outreach as an Australian in the US. It was hard to place in the episode, but I didn't want to leave it out. We we used to sort of play up uh, in our emails that we were from Australia when we were it's over there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'd be like, "Hey, we're we're over," and we'd say, "You know, time. Hey, we're from, you know, we're over from Melbourne, Australia for for one week." <laughs> like on tour you know and and we'd just get these meetings and sometimes you think someone's just taking a meeting just to see what it's like to have a meeting <laughs> with a tech company from Australia um, uh, so I think that actually played you know played to our advantage we'd love to hear what you think of the series so far leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you are at the moment or get in touch anytime through the Launch Vic Facebook page and for any information about LaunchVic or the community here in Melbourne and Victoria, go to launchvic.org. Next episode, Can't Grow Without Employees, we speak to the first, you know him already. Jason again, riffing on what it's like to be in a startup here in Melbourne. We also meet Nicole, lead designer who was working in Inspire9 years ago now and is still with Culture. I kind of just sometimes describe us as a, a grown-up startup. And Stephanie Sutton, the brand new VP for mid-market sales visiting Melbourne from the US. I spent my first week in New York, my second in San Francisco, and now um, here here in Melbourne. And across the board, that enthusiasm and passion about being on a mission, um, it, it just came through. That's next episode on Scale Up. I'm Courtney Carthy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>